to the audio event of the century, featuring two lifelong best friends. We love the Leafs. We love each other. But most of all, we love William Nylander. Welcome to the Buds All Day. Hello and welcome to the Buds All Day Post Game Reaction Podcast. I'm Sats Mundine here with Lebda's Legacy. How's it going, everyone? And we are going to bask in the absolute glory of the statement the Toronto Maple Leafs made over the cowardly Montreal Canadiens tonight, winning 5-1. The Leafs were able to get goals tonight from Jason Spezza, Austin Matthews, Rasmus Sandin, Willie Stiles, and Alex Kerfoot. Well, the Habs got their only goal from Jasperi Kotkaniemi. Now, Lebsda, I, I know you just have to be bouncing off the ceiling right now. I uh, I promised the people last time that it wouldn't be as gloomy as soon as the Leafs win. So, boy, oh, boy, are we coming with some fire tonight because that was an absolute foot-down statement. Boom, choke you out, Montreal. Eat our dust. The Toronto Maple Leafs just look so much better that night. I think uh, – I think I got to eat it a little bit. I probably got a little too riled up the other night. I mean, I'm a passionate Leaf fan. It's bound to happen. It's the ups and downs of playoff hockey. It, it, you know, I'm not proud of it, but it is what it is. But I think I, you know, kind of discredited a little bit of the effect that that John Tavares injury had on the team. But boy, oh boy, did they really shut me up tonight. Yeah, they they destroyed Montreal in every facet of the game tonight. They had a 91% on the deserve to win meter tonight. They, they had 11 high-danger chances to Montreal's paltry two. They had 58% of the possession, 62% of the scoring chances as a whole. Campbell looked good. The Leafs looked good. Montreal was trying to turn it into a barn fight, and we were not having it. We made them pay on the penalty kill when, when Shea Weber took his embarrassing penalty. Just, just a pathetic display by Montreal to, to try to muck that game up, and I am so glad that the Leafs did not take their foot off the pedal for one second. Yeah, and I think a very important thing to note, those two high danger chances for Montreal came in the first period. So the Leafs just absolutely clamped down the last two periods and just dominated them in every facet. I know we're going to see a lot of Montreal, you know, big loser energy coming out of there. Oh, the refs, the refs, the refs. Look, like that, the Habs are, were playing disgusting hockey, embarrassing hockey, pathetic hockey, trying to muck everything up. They know the only chance they have in this series is if they can, you know, hurt the Leaf Stars or at least commit so many penalties that they can barely even skate out there. And, you know, the refs did what they had to. Montreal, you know, challenged a stupid challenge, and that led to another power play for the five in a row. So, yeah, I, I'm so happy that, you know, the Leafs power play got on a roll, the Leafs put their foot down, and they just didn't play down to that disgusting level that Montreal tried to get them down to. That's it, man. They tried to make it a barn fight, and the Leafs, they engaged. We saw Wayne Simmons deliver a delectable slash right to the back of uh, Joel Edmondson's knees, and Edmonton went and had a, had a hissy fit about it, and then Simmons tried to punch him in the face. I loved, I loved seeing the fight back from the Leafs tonight. They, they weren't having it. Matthews clocked Gallagher at one point. Like We were getting into the physicality, and we were not letting it bother us, and all game, especially in that first period, Montreal on every single Leafs dump in was completely interfering with our players. Every time refs were not calling anything, you know, Zach Hyman gets the penalty for, for holding when he's always trying to do is bust through the interference of the Habs. The Habs came into this game tonight saying, we are going to test the refs. We are going to do every, we are going to stretch the rule book as far as we can all night. 
And they ended up paying for it. And they woke up a sleeping beast in that Leafs power play. Now, I don't know if you remember in my pre-game or my pre-series predictions, I said the Leafs would get at least three power play goals in this series. They knocked two off tonight, and that power play looked exceptional. Yeah, that power play really started to, you know, kind of click a little bit. There was a little bit more movement. Pucks are going, you know, across the zone. Um, they're getting shots to the net that are dangerous. They're, you know, looking for rebounds. As soon as they do shoot the puck, it's not just an easy clear for Montreal. Like the power play does look much improved. I think, you know, a lot of that just has to do with the intensity of the playoff game. I think maybe they fell victim to struggling power play, lack of intensity in games, kind of lack of, you know, willingness to even try new stuff towards the end of the season. And they started trying some different stuff. Mitch Marner's, you know, going lower. Austin Matthews on his one-timer side. Uh, Rasmus Sandin up top instead of Riley. So they have changed some stuff around a little bit, and it paid off tonight. Lebda, I got to say, this might be tinfoil hat, but I'm legitimately wondering if they were hiding things. Because how obvious was it for the last couple weeks that the Leafs needed to put Matthews on that one-timer side, even though his one-timer is not as good as his flat-out wrist shot? It just changed the looks. and. And it even made it more dangerous when they rotated back to him on his, you know, that left wing side. It opened things up because Montreal just had no idea what the Leafs were going to do. They were, the Leafs were circling the zone. Sandine was doing a great job of, of, you know, holding the puck, making the right decisions with it. The passes weren't always crisp, but they were able to connect on quite a few. And we saw both the first and second power play unit score tonight. We saw Willie absolutely rifle one into the net for his power play goal. Yeah, great job, and that actually came off an Austin Matthews uh, one-timer that uh, that hit the post, bounce right to Willie. Willie, you know, doing what he uh, gets criticized for a lot and has a little bit too much patience with the puck, but that time it pays off, and he just outweights Price, outweights the defenders trying to block the shot. Boom, puts it top corner and puts it in the net, so great goal from him, and you know, it, it's just so nice to see this Leafs power play actually doing something different than they just, you know, banging that square peg into a circle hole that they were doing towards the end of the year. So I think the point that you kind of made earlier that maybe they were hiding some stuff, I, I think there is some validity, validity to, to that point. Yeah, and, and while, we're, uh, while we're tooting the horn of, of one Sheldon Keefe, I have to give him major credit for leaving Rasmus Sandin in the lineup. It would have been very easy after the, the last game where he had a tough game to put Travis Dermott in. Dermott's good at controlling the rush, so that would help against the Habs. It was kind of a logical thing to do, and Keefe said, nope, I have faith in this kid. It's not only good for, for the results that he was able to put up tonight, but just for his confidence as an NHL player going forward. But obviously in a playoffs game, the results are the most important thing. And Sandine showed up in 14 minutes tonight. He had an 86% expected goals while he was on the ice. He scored that huge goal to stretch the lead to two. Sandine looked great. He looked like the Sandine we saw down the stretch. Yeah, I'm really, really impressed with, with Rasmus's play tonight. I was uh, That was the one thing I was a little bit worried. I was a little bit worried about, you know, kind of two things coming into this. Leafs effort, um, just uh, the last game. I don't want to get into it too much, but they definitely, you know, maybe didn't lack effort, but they just didn't look as crisp as they did. I was a little bit worried that this is just the least playoff woes rearing their ugly head. So boom, they shut me up about that. And then I was a little bit worried about Rasmus Sandin again, getting kind of lost in the moment, maybe fumbling around a little bit too much, second guessing himself a little bit. And boom, he shut me up about that too. He looked, you know, every bit as poised as he typically did uh, when he played in the uh, regular season. Big, big power play shot for a goal there. And 
man, like uh, just really good credit to him for really having a good bounce back game after a really, really tough game one for him personally. Yeah, and I'm sure the first game, you know, there's some playoff jitters there. It's his first playoff game. He's got to be feeling it. And uh, Keith made a good point tonight in the post game. He was actually asked about leaving leaving Sandine in the lineup, uh, given that he was at fault for the two goals. And he actually said Sandine's mistake on that shorthanded goal by Byron wasn't actually on the play. It was that he should have come off the ice. That is why he looked so slow, because apparently he had been out for a long time. At that point, he was really tired. So... You know, they probably just had to talk with him about decision-making, being a little more conservative, being a little more safe with, with just basic decisions. And, and he, he came in and he balled out tonight. It was exceptional to see. And I'm, I'm excited to see how he continues to grow throughout the playoffs. Another, another really positive sign was that third line tonight. Engvall, Mikheyev, and Kerfoot. They were incredible. Engvall and Mikheyev expected goals for percentages. 99. Kerfoot, 94. Like, it is going to be mighty, mighty tough to to imagine Pierre Engvall leaving this lineup if he keeps this up. I don't think there's any chance he leaves the lineup until, you know, maybe the next series if the Leafs make it that far if they really struggle in the next couple of games. Um, but yeah, that, that third line was fantastic. And that was the biggest kind of takeaway from game one was how – you know, much our bottom six got destroyed by Montreal's. And, you know, in our series preview podcast, we talked about like that third line for Montreal is not a good line. That fourth line, those are the lines you should be able to exploit if we kind of play our things right. And that Angval Mikheyev, like kind of little combo and then Kerfoot on their wing tonight. There's just something about that where on paper, they might not look, you know, like the best liner that they can really contribute offensively. But there's something about that Angval Mikheyev combo that just, it, it just works for the Leafs this season. Their speed is just so relentless on the forecheck. Like they're just, especially against a team like Montreal, who outside of Jeff Petrie have just the pissiest of piss poor puck moving defensemen, like that clown Ben Sherratt. Try it! Who, by the way, like I'm pretty sure his main concern is trying to injure Leafs players and not actually playing hockey because if you watch him closely in that game I paused my DVR and rewinded it about six different times and he is just doing every single thing he can to try to hurt the Leafs so absolute disgrace of a player and I'm glad that third line was able to uh to really show out and and embarrass them and then while we're on the bottom six first goal of the night arguably the most important to you know to overcome that deficit was Jason Spezza just an absolute clutch moment. You and I said it in the build-up to this series. We said we knew that him or Jumbo, one of those guys, was just going to come up with a clutch goal at a key time. And boy, did Jason Spezza do that tonight. Yeah, stole the puck right off of Simmons' tape pretty much and ripped it home, which, I, I mean, I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did because I'd much rather have Jason Spezza shooting the puck than Wayne Simmons. But I kind of – it made me laugh that uh, Zach Bogosian was actually the one forechecking down low on that goal. And – you know, somehow the puck worked its way up to Simmons and Spezza there and Spezza rips it home. And, and that's why, you know, Jason Spezza is not a guy that's ever going to come out of this lineup. He was fantastic this regular season. His production is immaculate for his role, but you know, those guys like Thornton Simmons, some of those guys who, you know, maybe their play all the time doesn't really warrant them being consistent in the lineup, but this is why you have those older guys in the lineup, because when they score goals like this, it means something to the team. And it just like, blows its way through the lineup and it's just infectious and everyone just, you know, lifts up and can get going. And the Leafs really, uh, you know, t- 
took that goal and absolutely ran with it tonight. Yeah, that that was a that was a snipe by him. And the second goal, you got to give a lot of credit on that Matthews goal to Justin Hall. All right, I'm Justin Hall. They had they had an odd man rush. I think it was three on two. Matthews lays it off to Hall. Hall could see coming down the wing that he didn't really have the best chance to to snipe one on Carey Price, given that he's not Austin Matthews. So he did the next best thing. He shot for a rebound. He shot it into Carey Price's pads with the greatest goal scorer of our generation waiting out front. And Matthews made no mistake. He made quick work of that and fired it back into the net. Yeah, Austin Matthews was fantastic on the evening. That that goal, I think he had two assists, like absolutely dominated, you know, the expected goals at 5v5. But yeah, I mean, that that's what the least defenseman should do. Is If they're coming in, they should like, that shot would have been so easy for Justin Hall just to fire it right into Price's gloves, kill that opportunity. There's nothing there, but I, I think Justin Hall realizes, hey, you know, that's Austin Matthews, my teammate, coming in. Uh, I, I got to give him a chance to score a goal more than more than I really need one, and he does that perfect, you know, shot for the rebound. Matthews isn't going to miss from there, and man, again, the Leafs just ran away with it from that point. And you could see Matthews appreciated that play. As soon as he scored, he went and he pointed right to Justin Hall and they were selling together. And as as uh, the listeners can probably tell, my voice isn't at full capacity tonight because I was screaming up a storm that whole game. I, I could not contain myself with the intensity, with the excitement, with the absolute jubilee on all five of our goals. And just my hatred for the Habs led to a lot of yelling as well, but... The yelling continued when Rasmus Sandin was able to break our power play drought with an absolute rocket from the point on that uh, on that pass. Great pass by Marner to set that up. You're, you're not kidding on a rocket. CBC showed a little graph. I think it hit 98 miles per hour from, you know, a little old Swede like Rasmus. Like, that's an absolute missile. But, I mean, hey, the Leafs PP, it got working. It got moving pucks around. Mitch Marner is a great passer. He just needs movement so that all the passing lanes aren't clogged up. He found the right guy. Sandine rips it home. And then um, I don't know why, but Dominic Ducharme decided to challenge it for goaltender interference on Joe Thornton because he waved his stick at the puck. Um, but yeah, that didn't go so well for Montreal. But I, again, like that challenge, I, <laughs> I was sitting there like, what is going on? Like, first of all, it took so long. So I was like, are they actually going to call that back? Like, did Gary really get through onto the refs there and be like, hey, guys, like, you know, the Leafs can't win by too much here. But uh, thank goodness it's it stood because, I mean, there would have been some conspiracy theories if that one got called back. Oh, you better believe I have my tinfoil ready. I was, I was going to go full conspiracy theories because there is no way that goal should have been called off. And honestly, it's pretty pathetic. It took them that long to decide it. If you look... If you looked at that replay once, one time on the overhead view, you would see he didn't move. The puck was by price by the time it did it, by the time it got in. And there was just no need for it. And it was, I think it was just an absolute desperation effort by the Habs. They knew they were the head and shoulders inferior team on the night. They knew there was no chance that their pathetic team could score two goals with the way they were playing tonight. So they, they're like, you know what? We'll risk the power play. We'll give it a shot because three, one is pretty much game over. We know that the Habs, they are one of the worst teams when it comes to coming back from behind as they are one of the best at holding leads. They're, they're, uh, you know, they're a less high danger events team. So it's going to lead to them having difficulty coming back. 
you see it just obviously in the lack of high-end talent that they have. We've, we've talked about it up and down. And I, I think that was just pure, pure desperation from Dominique Ducharme. Yeah, I think he's just doing anything he can to kind of shift the momentum. And, I mean, probably in his eyes, he's like, if if we lose it, which, I mean, we probably are, unless he got some really bad advice and someone in the Montreal organization was convinced and called down that it was goalie interference. But he's probably like, hey, it's worth a shot. Like, we're probably not coming back anyways. If this somehow by, you know, a miracle of Gary Bettman gets called off, then we got the momentum. And I mean, it could have really rattled the Leafs getting called off and, you know, it could have been a really smart move for him versus, I mean, like giving up that power play at that point probably isn't that big of a deal to him. He knows they're down. They're probably not too, too worried about, you know, another goal. They're just looking to try and, you know, shut the momentum down if they can. If not, then, you know, they, they pack up and try and steal the next one at home. That's what they got to be hoping for. I mean, like a night like tonight just has to be so disheartening for them because in game one, we had the the horrifying Tavares incident and the Leafs looked like a shell of themselves for about the, the rest of that first period after. And from that point on, in spite of what happened, they were still able to carry the play against the Habs. And then tonight they just took it to another level. They... They just absolutely throttled them. Carey Price was not superhuman this game. Um, he was he did play pretty well, I would say. He uh, although his save percentage was below nine hundred, I thought he he made some good saves and stuff. But like I said after the last game, we hit a couple posts last game. If you don't hit posts, all of a sudden it Carey Price doesn't look like this unbeatable brick wall like Connor Hellebuck is doing to Edmonton right now. He's he is exactly what we said he is. He is a uh, He's a slightly below average goalie, but he's like any goalie capable of having the big game. He wasn't, he, it looked like he was going to at first tonight, but it was nice to see the Leafs solve that riddle and kind of get that monkey off their back where he's not like the, you know, the boogeyman under their bed going into the next game. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, the Leafs had a couple posts tonight too. So that save percentage could have been really, really ugly for Carey Price. Again, you're probably not going to fault too many of the goals on carry price but it's nice to see that the Leafs did get four past them so you know maybe that doubt starts creeping in we, we you know they disproved the whole you know playoff price kind of thing and uh yeah now they can go forward go into Montreal they got all the momentum they got you know the winner for JT on their backs and uh, as negative as I was after game one I, like i <laughs> <laughs> pretty much made a complete 180 and I'm as positive as I was negative the other night. But that that's what it took for me to, you know, regain the faith of the Leafs. I had so much faith going into the series. And then I think that John Tavares injury, you know, got in my head a little bit. And I started thinking all oh, this Leafs roster without John Tavares, you know, they, they let game one slip to an inferior team. Like this is, you know, the ugly ugliness of playoffs pass rearing its head. And then they come out and they put like, like they kicked the absolute shit out of Montreal tonight. Like there's nothing else to say. They absolutely beat them like absolutely mercilessly tonight. So uh, how could you not really do a 180 now? Who knows how game three goes? Maybe I'll, you know, do that full 360 and come back around to where I was in game one. But uh, as of right now, boy, oh boy, am I on top and flying, baby. Lebda, that's why I said after the last game, don't. Don't let the lows my, – my dad has a saying, don't let your highs get too high and your lows get too low. I just take the second half of that. I don't let the lows get too low, but on a night like tonight, I am I am flying to the moon, baby. I am, I am living it up. I am enjoying it, and I'm feeling myself because I 
I knew these. I knew what these guys were capable of. A couple balances last game, like we said, Matthews line absolutely crushed Montreal in expected goals last game. They just didn't have that end product. And with a guy like Mitch Marner, it's a ma- it's only a matter of time. And Lebda, I don't think you are. I don't think you are alone in overreacting. I, from what I saw on Twitter, when it was one nothing tonight, you would think that the Leafs had just gone down three nothing in the series. Everybody's like, "Oh, this team is pathetic. They're different. They haven't changed. They're blah blah blah." This and that. I honestly, I was a little bit ashamed to be a Leafs fan and sharing it with all these people who have given up on their team so quickly. So. If I can just say one thing to Leaf Nation, at least while we're facing Montreal, have some faith, man. You have seen tonight, we are eons better than them. The Leafs tonight, they showed why they are such a different team than they were before. They have so much more defensive stability. Montreal did not get one high danger chance that whole third period. And not not only that, but we're, the Leafs were able to add to their lead through a, through a William Nylander power play goal. First of all, the Leafs... We've said it a couple times this year. They look different defending. Like, I'm not scared when they have these two goal leads. They keep everything to the outside. They really limit the chances. Jack Campbell did his job. He stopped all the easy pucks tonight. That's what the Leafs need in a goaltender. And then for them to be able to do that, go out and, you know, score another goal on, I mean, it was on the power play, which again, it was struggling for the Leafs. So that's just another huge positive momentum builder going forward. And I mean, what a goal it was by Willie, you know. Austin Matthews hits a one-timer off the post. I'm sitting there, you know, cursing to myself like, ah, he didn't get the bounce. It couldn't go in. It would have been such a beautiful cap to the evening. And then lo and behold, the puck falls right onto that beautiful blade of William Nylander. And he makes no mistake and absolutely snipes one top corner to really just the end of the night. And what made that goal just just such a chef's kiss, just so satisfying was the penalty that created it. Because Shea Weber, you know him, you hate him. He's he's in that Zidane Chara mold of, I'm going to break the rules a thousand times and you're only going to call me for it twice. Prime example of that was the penalty that led to this goal. Pierre Engvall, <laughs> clean hit, knocks him on his ass. Shea Weber, embarrassed, as he should be, decides to overreact like a little piss baby and go and basically cross-checks Engvall and knocks him on the ground and then he sees that the ref has put his arm up and he says to himself well I'm not gonna get called twice for this so I rewatched the replay he did another four penalty worthy plays he cross-checked uh he actually sandwich cross-checked him with Sherratt they sandwich cross-checked Engvall he slashed him in the leg he punched him in the head he did all this shit and of course only one penalty because it's the NHL playoffs but just seeing the look on that coward's face as he was going back to his bench with the, just the shame of what he had done to just, just end any chance his team had. Like, I just wanted to put that in an IV bag and hook it into my veins for the next 10 years. Yeah, go shave your mustache, you ugly loser. After the Leafs took that 4-1 lead, the Habs decided to pull their goalie with about six minutes left and... As as they did for pretty much the rest of the game, they created absolutely diddly squat. And Alex Kerfoot was able to bury the empty netter to just get that succulent 5-1 scoreline. And the Leafs took her home. So with that said, let's get into our stars of the game, Lebda. And with tonight's choice, I will give you the obvious one. I think I have to know who it is. Cue the music.
yeah, that's Austin Matthews. Just a dominant performance. Exactly what he needed to do tonight. Exactly what he needed to do. You know, captain's out. Horrible, tragic injury. Someone needed to step up for the Leafs. Austin Matthews did that. A goal, two assists, 80% expected goals. He was dominant in the face-off zone. Like, he, he really took, you know, this team by the scruff of their neck and said, you know what? We're a good team. We're, we're going to do this thing. We're going to do it for JT. We're going to make it, and we're going to see him play again this year. Exactly. I said coming into this game, I, I tweeted out, I said, Matthews and Marner are going to carry us tonight. They're going to lead us to victory. You could have given the first star to either one of those guys because Marner made so, two excellent passes to lead to goals as well. Matthews was incredible. Those guys just showed up tonight, man. They showed up. And that's what you need your stars to do. And they did it. And it's just, it's, as we've said so many times on this podcast, we are blessed to have two of the top 10 forwards in this league. And I will never take it for granted. Now I'm going to go a little bit more off the board with my pick, but they were just so good tonight. And that is the entire third line of Mikheyev, Engvall, and Kerfoot. Lines are all around you and me. Longer, shorter, thick and thin they'll be. Like I said, they all had an expected goals percentage above 95%. And they just took it to the Habs all night. And I think that was so important because with the Riley Nash line last game, they just contributed nothing. And I know that it didn't result in an actual end product in the form of a goal other than Kerfoot's empty netter. But it was just so important to keep that momentum going. They put pressure. They probably, you know, forced Montreal to play their higher lines against them a little bit to, to keep them in check. And... Angball has secured himself a spot for at least the next few games with the way he played tonight. Yeah, that line was so, so fantastic tonight. And it was, again, exactly what the Leafs needed from their bottom six. They needed a bounce back game from that bottom six. They could not get, you know, dragged around like they did in game one. And for that line to come out and play pretty much perfect hockey on the evening, it's exactly what Sheldon Keefe need. It's what the Leafs need. And yeah, that, that, that line can't go anywhere for at least a couple games. Yeah, there is no way you're breaking that line up. And they honestly, they looked as effective as the hemline did against Edmonton. And if you can get that kind of production while still being able to play Zach Hyman on your first line, that is going to do a lot to overcome the loss of John Tavares for the next next little while. And it's just so nice to see them do it for the captain. Now, Lebda, did you have any final thoughts on the game tonight? Uh, honestly, not really. I think we, you know, made our thoughts very clear on the podcast as a whole. We covered pretty much everything. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I do have a thought and it does have to do with John Tavares. First off, I want to say how relieved and happy I am to hear that all he had was a concussion, which obviously is still a very serious thing with all we know about head trauma, but it, it looked like it could have been a lot worse in the moment. And he is, you know, he was able to write that, that note to, to tell everybody how he's doing um, you know, and, and what I heard Spezza say today, he said, we want to keep winning games so we can get John back. And that just gives me so much hope, not from even a personal perspective of like, oh, we need him to win. Like, I just can't tell you how satisfying it would be to see the Leafs able to continue to compete so that John Tavares finally gets a chance to perform for them in the playoffs. It would, he's, he's such a great guy in, in, in the community. He, you know, everybody was donating to his charity in in his honor after that game. It's, it was nice to see Leafs Nation come together like that for him. And I just hope, I really want to see him again this year. I know, I obviously, I do not want the Leafs to rush him. 
keep him healthy, whatever's good for his long-term health. But if there is a way to get him back in, oh man, I, it would just melt my heart. Yeah. It's really nice to see kind of how this whole Leafs community, whether it's the team, whether it's the fans, whether it's John Tavares himself have kind of rallied around this injury and, you know, turned such a scary traumatic event that could have, could have gone really South. Like at the time, like the way he looked on the ice, who knows what could have happened. I don't want to, you know, uh, you know, cause flashbacks for anyone, but uh, for him to have, um, you know, a concussion, which again, like you said, a serious injury, nothing to take lightly, but he didn't break anything. There's no injury to his spine. Like it doesn't seem like there's going to be any, you know, long-term head damage aside from potentially repercussions of concussion. And then he is also out with that uh, knee injury for at least two weeks. So no matter what, he's going to be out for two weeks, but We'll see how his concussion heals from then on. But yeah, for the team to rally against it, for all the fans to donate to his charity, uh, for him to be able to come out today and at least um, you could tell that he's not severely, severely um, damaged at this point. It really is, you know, kind of best case scenario after what we saw the other night. Exactly. If you saw, like in that moment when you saw him, him slump back, if you were told that this is where we'd be in two days, I think everybody would have been really, really happy to do that. And I just want to continue to wish him the best, man. I, Oh, captain, my captain. I want him back and I love him. Yeah. Prayers up for Johnny T. Let's, uh, let's win it for JT, baby.